Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown. Welcome to Monday morning. Let me just go close the studio door. I forgot to close it this morning. Okay, we're closing the door right now. How's everybody doing? How was everybody's weekend this past weekend? Mine was absolutely fabulous. We had um, I hosted uh, Cancer Answers for Women. It was a workshop. And the cool thing about this workshop is it was the first one that took place in our new space uh, in Clifton, New Jersey. So the National Women's Cancer Alliance is ha- now has a home base in Clifton, New Jersey. And our grand opening is uh, later on this month. But um, the workshop went really, really well, and I was so blessed to have Deborah Gunter, who her mom died from breast cancer, and she founded the Yvonne McCullough Scholarship Foundation, and her mom was a nurse. Um, And she worked at Robert Wood Johnson Medical Center in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And so Deborah joined us and and actually uh, kind of helped host the event where she shared information um, about breast cancer. And one thing I did find out from Deborah that I didn't even know is we talk a lot about how cancer, particularly breast cancer, impacts people of color. Um, at disproportionate rates. And one of her theories is that we do not participate in clinical trials. So what she's doing through her foundation, uh, she partnered with, I I can't remember the company. uh, Hold on, sorry about that. I had something in my mouth. Um, I don't know, I can't remember the company that she partnered with, but where women of color will get paid, they get a $50 Target gift certificate throughout the month of March if they participate in this clinical study. Now, what's going to happen with that is once they test, they swab your mouth, um, and they weigh you, and they do a BMI, they test your BMI, which is your body mass index, that will help them determine and learn why women get breast cancer at very disproportionate rates. So one of the things that she was sharing with us is when they present women with um, options once they've been diagnosed with breast cancer, the options are really not based on women of color, and not necessarily black women, just women of color in general, because we don't regularly participate in clinical trials. So because we don't participate, the remedies that are designed are not necessarily designed for our DNA. So based on that, she is encouraging, particularly those in the state of New Jersey, because that's where she is, to get in touch with her. She is on Facebook, Deborah Gunter, or you can go to YMF um, Scholarship Foundation online. Just You can put it right into Google, and it will come right up. And it's the Yvonne McCullough Scholarship Foundation. And again, her name is Deborah Gunter. So, yeah, it's really important, and and we're actually going to um, participate. So our office is now in Clifton, New Jersey, and so the National Women's Cancer Alliance 
really focuses on reproductive cancers, and I pay close attention to ovarian because that's what my mom passed away from. But Deborah, Deborah and her foundation is our lead partner for breast cancer. So again, please, if you see of any studies or any clinical trials in your area, whether you get paid or not, I really encourage you to participate because when it comes time to diagnose and when it comes time to um, come up with solutions to help us rid our bodies of cancer, we need to make sure that the solutions that they are offering are in accordance with our biological makeup. And we all know that, you know, just people of color are, are predisposed to a myriad of health issues um, that other women, particularly white women, do not have to deal with. So, again, let's if, if you see any clinical trials or any clinical studies, even if it's 50 miles away, I really, really encourage you to participate because your life and the lives of others truly, truly depends on it. So big shout-out to uh, Deborah Gunter. Again, she joined me on Saturday as I hosted Cancer Answers for Women um, at the new New Jersey State Headquarters for the National Women's Cancer Alliance. And just in that same space, um, I will be sharing with you today um, some, some tips from this great and amazing book that I came across. It's called You, the Smart Patient. It is a very, very good book. And I always share with you, um, I get a lot of my books from the library because I read so much and I get so many books uh, that I, I really could not afford to, to buy so many. This book is in the medical health and fitness, um, and it's by um, Michael F. Roizen and Dr. Mehmet Oz, and I'm sure you know Dr. Oz now has his TV show, but they have a whole series of books. So if you're logged onto the chat room, or you are listening to the show through the Internet, you actually see the books spinning across the bottom of your screen right now. So it's the one with the yellow cover. And this book was um, published in 2006. So the information is, is, is very current and it's very relevant. So you don't have to worry about it being some dated uh, information. Before we jump into today's show, I just want to say hi to my sister, Miss Templeton, who's listening in the chat, uh, yeah, who's on the chat room, and my buddy, PD, he's in the chat room as well, uh, and I have some callers who are listening in. Hi, callers. So I just want to say good morning to you. Let me get into a little bit of uh, Angie Stone, and then on the other side, we'll talk about being a smart patient. It's your girl, Cy Brown, for the Cy Brown Morning Show. Yeah. 
Getting into a little bit of Angie Stone this morning. Let's jump right to uh, what we're our topic of the day, and it's you, the smart patient. And we're talking really about um, how to get good health care and some of the questions uh, to ask your doctor. I will share with you all uh, when my mom uh, was diagnosed with cancer. <clears throat> I didn't know what questions to ask, didn't know what to do. And it's and it's I would actually recommend this book um to everybody because what happens is a lot of times you go to the hospital and you don't know what to ask or how to ask or what's important or what's not important. And I know um even just aside from my mother, my grandmother is eighty eight, she'll be eighty nine in May, but 
when we go to the hospital, like, you know, once a year she ends up going to the hospital for something for like two or three days. And do you know we are there, me and my dad are there, my stepmother are there, my kids are there, we ask questions. And I swear, were there any nurses or anything, that she gets better treatment than those who are not because they know that there's somebody there that's going to have some type of um, checks and balances. And a lot of times we're just asking questions to be asking questions because we're not doctors. We don't know exactly what to ask or how to ask, but we just ask anyway. So let me get into some things that this book recommends on um, – uh, on being a smart patient. And I just want to also give a quick good morning to RGW. So thank you for joining us. Um, and we do have a guest on the line, so thank you for joining us. Today we're talking about how to be a smart patient. On page 11 of the book, and the book is scrolling at the bottom through Amazon, I would encourage you to pick it up. It says, to help you gauge how much you really know about taking control of your health care, get ready to take this quiz. And it's saying, what is the most important thing to bring with you to the doctor's office? A properly completed living will to be kept on file, your husband or wife, a crisp $50 bill in an envelope, an accurate and complete health profile, or a photo of yourself at age 12. Well, I think we all know what the most important thing is to bring an accurate and complete health profile because what happens is the good thing, one of the things that they're doing under this whole health care bill is they're trying to digitize everybody's medical records. And a lot of people have come under fire and said, you know what, we don't want um, our health records in computers because in the government, but you know something? My grandmother went to travel to Ohio and the only reason she didn't travel is because she was afraid that if something should happen, uh, they would not know what to do for her. So, you know, I am not against having, like, your medical records on a flash drive or something like that. Uh, in 2007, I broke my arm in an accident in the house, and the coolest thing is that I went to, um, I went to the hospital and I went to the, the doctor, you know, the, the doctor that the hospital recommended, and I, he gave me a cast from my wrist up to my shoulder, and the cast was horrible. It, it just was a horrible horribly done cast it, it just and I have private insurance uh, so you can't even say maybe it was public versus private but anyway my records were digitized and I ended up going to um, a doctor that my father recommended my father's a supervisor of a hospital here in New Jersey the doctor was able to pull up all my records he took off that hideous cast gave me a new one and it was so easy so I mean I think it's Miss um, Christine just put in a the, the 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 chat room flash drive is one thing, but it's so easy to hack into computers and get personal information. I agree. I definitely definitely agree with you. Um, I don't want to say I'm on the fence about it, but I do feel we have to do something a little bit better with our medical records than just having them in a paper file. I, I just don't think it does any of us any type of service, especially with the fact that we live in such a mobile society. If you think about it, when we were like years ago, my grandmother and my grandfather, they made their life in a town. They lived there forever, went to the local doctor, and that was it. With so many people being so transient right now and jobs being so transient, I just think it makes sense to have some type of um, 
way to digitize our medical records. But I will say one thing, Inc. Magazine, it's I-N-C, it's an amazing business magazine. They're not paying me any money or anything to say this, but I subscribe, and I've been a subscriber for Inc. for many, many years. They did a story on, on, on the top businesses. I want to say it was like in late 2008 or early 2009, and this one company in the Midwest, I think it was Minnesota, their whole business is how to um, put medical records in digital format. So I do know there's a lot of very sensitive information, but then conversely, there's so much, there's so many different ways they can find us anyway. Um, but, you know, I, I can go either way with that. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with it, but I still think um, there should be some way to transport your information. All right, here's another question um, in this book. And, again, it's scrolling across the bottom to those of you who are just joining us. Your doctor says you need to undergo a medical diagnostic test. Which questions should you definitely ask first? How accurate is the test? What exactly does this test measure? Why do you think I need this test and what will happen if I don't take it? Who is going to pay for this? Will the probe that's used in this test be brand new? Let me repeat those again. Your doctor says you need to undergo a medical diagnostic test. Which question should you definitely ask first? How accurate is this test? What exactly does this test measure? Why do you think I need this test and what will happen if I don't take it? Who is going to pay for this? Will the probe that is used in this test be brand new? Well, the answer is, drum roll please, why do you think I need this test and what will happen if I don't take it? That is the very first question that you should ask. Why do you think I need this test and what will happen if I don't take it? One of the things I um, uh, was just put in the chat room, wow, I wouldn't know any of those questions to ask. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying this book is so amazing. Again, it's called You, the Smart Patient, and it's scrolling down at the bottom through Amazon. Um, but anyway, I, I want to get through some more of this because I don't want to lose too much time. But just get this book. It is a very good book. But anyway, when... Um, when you, go, when you go to the doctor, a lot of times, and I shared this on Saturday, another really good book to get is Suzanne Summers' book, Knockout. It's about cancer. She was saying how a lot of these pharmaceutical companies fund the medical and research laboratories of med students especially those that are going into oncology. So what happens is once they go into their actual practice, then it's almost as though they're already in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. So when, if they go have to diagnose a cancer patient or, a cancer, or, or diagnose some type of cancer treatment for a patient, what do you think they're going to lean to? They are going to kind of lean to, and it's just human nature. It's not that they're a good or bad doctor. It's just who they've been aligned with and who has shown to be an ally through funding for their, for their medical um, work and their medical education. They're going to suggest and make recommendations based on big pharma's offerings. So they may not quite offer natural remedies or herbal remedies or anything like that. They're, the first thing they're going to do is offer chemo, radiation, which are very, very harsh to the body. So one of the things Suzanne Summers suggests when even seeking a doctor, find somebody that's to the best of their ability, not in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. I am so grateful that we just happened to luck up on a doctor who um, 
who really does not prescribe medicine well. And I remember a few years ago, my husband kept getting a rash under his arm, and we thought it was like the deodorant, the laundry detergent. He was saying that my husband is allergic to whatever they're putting into these deodorants, and for him to use alcohol, just plain a 99-cent bottle of alcohol. What he told me to do is make sure his armpit is totally dry, totally, totally dry, can't be wet put some alcohol in a spray bottle, not too much at one time because it'll lose its potency if it's just sitting in a bottle, and spray it. My husband has not worn deodorant since. And he's like, there really is no health reason to ever use deodorant, especially antiperspirants, which clog your pores. So there's all these little bits of information that are out and available to us that we really just have to look and do, do our due diligence, especially when it comes to our bodies. And I always tell women that come into the, um, that come right for cancer information, you have to be your own best advocate. Okay. Let's get into um, let's get into another question. Where should you sit in the ER waiting room? Where should you sit in the ER waiting room? Should you sit on the seat closest to the ER nurse so that he notices you? Anywhere but near the vending machines, on a plastic chair rather than a cloth chair, on a pillow because you're going to be there for at least 20 hours most likely an earshot of the double doors leading to the treatment areas so your moaning and wailing will not go unheeded. Again, the question is where should you sit in the ER waiting room? The answer is on a plastic chair rather than a cloth chair. And it's because plastic is easier to clean and in the emergency room, health and cleanliness matters. Hmm. How about that one? Let's keep going through uh, some more of these questions because I want to get to as many as possible on the air. Next question, how often does getting a second opinion change treatment substantially? Again, how often does getting a second opinion change treatment substantially? In about one-third of all cases, in about 20% of all cases, in about 60% of all cases, very rarely What's the second opinion? <laughs> I think that one was facetious. Again, how often does getting a second opinion change treatment substantially? In about one-third of all cases, in about 20% of all cases, in about 60% of all cases, very rarely, or again, what's the second <laughs> opinion? The answer is in about one-third of all cases. This makes it, it makes it more amazing that so few patients get second opinions. Smart patients never forego them because they know facts like this. Hey, Sandy. Oh, hi, honey. <laughs> I was in the middle of a thought, and I saw you popped up in the chat room. Um, but getting a second opinion changes treatment substantially because doctors have different trainings and different experiences. It's just like making a sweet potato pie. Somebody may have used cinnamon one time and it turned it a different color, so now they don't use cinnamon anymore. I don't know. I'm just, you know, using that as an analogy. You have to get a second opinion because everybody's experience is different. Every, do every doctor did not go to the same school, did not receive the same training, so it varies. Even if it's a one milli millimeter shift to the left, it could really make a huge impact on your health. Okay, here's another good question. If you consent to become someone's health care proxy, what have you just agreed to do? Again, if you consent to become someone's health care proxy, what have you just agreed to do? To visit her doctors on her behalf as she's traveling or otherwise indisposed? 
B, to take her medications too to see if any side effects show up in both of you, to pay her medical bills if she cannot, to ensure that the stipulations listed in her living will are followed, to give her bone marrow or part of your liver if the need arises. Again, the question was, if you consent to become someone's healthcare proxy, what have you just agreed to do? You have just agreed to ensure that the stipulations listed in a living will are followed. You have, if you have been uh, uh, appointed as a healthcare proxy, it will, it will be very, very important to make sure that if you don't have one, you do. Typically, if you're married, your spouse can be your healthcare proxy, but it's to ensure that the stipulations listed in your living will are followed. And let me tell you, if you do not have a living will, I strongly, 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 strongly encourage you to get one or create one. RGW just put in the chat room, it's like a health power of attorney. Yes, it is. Because what happens is, and I know this happened with my mother, it was a little dicey, and, you know, my, my, my stepfather has been my stepfather for years since I can remember. But I remember with my mother's care, um, we disagreed on certain issues, but because my mother had a living will, because my mother had certain stipulations in place, it, 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 it um, eliminated any level of ambiguity, any level that, uh, any questions that we may have because she specifically said, this is what I need to get done. And it wasn't as clear as I would have liked, but at least there were certain things that we were able to follow based on what she, um, what she outlined. So, yeah, that's, a, uh, that's another question. That's another really good, a, a really good thing to know. And, yeah, it's, it's like a health power of attorney. Okay, let's go with a couple more questions before we run out of time. What is the biggest advantage most HMO insurance plans have over current indemnity health insurance plans? Again, that question is, what is the biggest advantage most HMO insurance plans have over current indemnity health insurance plans? HMO is a health maintenance organization. The, the, your options are A. Doctors and hospitals relish dealing with HMO billing computers. The indemnity plan will co cost you less over the course of a year. The HMO is generally more focused on paying for needed treatment while indemnity plans are more focused on preventing illnesses. The HMO is cheaper because it bargains with doctors and hospitals to reduce costs by as much as 80%. The HMO provides a compliant I'm sorry, a complaint hotline. Again, the question was, what is the biggest advantage most HMO insurance plans have over current indemnity health insurance plans? And the answer is D, the HMO is cheaper because it bargains with doctors and hospitals to reduce costs by as much as 80%. And their thinking behind this is, um, guaranteeing a large amount of exclusive business to specific doctors and hospitals, HMOs can twist the arms to get huge pricing discounts. Now, I'll tell you, I personally have an HMO through um, my insurance company, and I, it gets frustrating sometimes where you have to get referrals. And I'll tell you, I'm a little pissed off at mine because especially for women, we get the short end of the stick all the time. An OBGYN visit is considered a specialist, and my copay is $30. So anytime I go for um, an OBGYN, and particularly with my mother, I have to go more than once a year. Every time I go, even if I have to go for a battery of tests, 
I have to pay $30, where my husband can get a complete physical top to bottom for $15. So there are some good things about HMOs and some bad things. Um, they're phasing out um, have like referrals for every little thing, but I really strongly encourage you to look into what health plans you have and really take a proactive approach and know what's going on with this health care debate that's, that's in the House of Representatives and in Congress right now. Before we run out of time, just want to give a big hello to Sandy. How elegant. Hi, honey. I saw you in the chat room. I did almost uh, made me lose my train of thought, girl. How are you? The show is now on at 9 in the morning. Sandy sent to me for, since the show started when I was coming on at 12 noon, um, but, but just not. We've been on at 9 a.m. since January, so uh, the, the morning time slot is really, really, uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, it's nice and early in the morning when I'm most alert. A special shout-out to Paranoia, PD, RGW, Ms. Pendleton. We have some guests. I encourage you just to create a username and uh, passcode so we can properly greet you on the Cy Brown Morning Show. So big shout-out to everybody who has dialed in from 571-770-973-201-732. have a lot of people listening to the show today. Thank you very much. Remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. I love you all for listening. I will see you all tomorrow at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's your girl, Cy Brown, checking in for the Cy Brown Morning Show. Love you all, and I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.